of energy and life as always. So good. Let me get my Bible. Actually, don't need it, but I... I hope you are all well. A little bit chilly in Durban, and uh, it's nice to kind of get a bit chilly and kind of enjoy that little moment because the other 360 days of the year, it's not like that. So, um, however, there are a lot of people that are in our city home group that are very, very cold at the moment, and we would appreciate anybody that's got blankets, warm clothes, shoes, socks, any of those things that would contribute and help um, uh, people, they, some of those people are kind of living between places and uh, outdoors, and, and so they really need our help just to, just to uh, get, get warm. So if that is you, please will you mind bringing some stuff through if you've got anything like that. Um, we'd hugely, hugely appreciate it. So worship, we've been in four weeks to date. This is the fifth week of worship. We've got a worship evening this evening. Uh, worship, uh, we're going to praise and we're going to see what God does with a hundred people. Ah, so frustrating, but that's what it is. And we're going to allow God to, to meet with us. And it's been a wonderful journey, the four weeks. Really has been amazing just to see. And I really trust it's broadened, it's de deepened our kind of understanding of worship and our, our sense of when we, when we come and we sing songs. This is very important. When we come and sing songs on a Sunday, that is the overflow of a worshipful heart, of a worshipful life. So the song singing on a Sunday, that little moment that we have together, is, it's come to be called the worship. But actually, it's not, that's not the right, that's not the biblical version. Worship is every part of our lives that get worship to God. And on a Sunday, we get together and we get together and we express that in song and overflow and the gifts operating and all those sorts of things. And so that's our worship. So if I said to you, who's the worship team? What would you say? Hopefully you would say, no, Stan, we are the worship team. And then I'd say, well done, you're right. You are the worship team. This on the stage is not a worship team. This is the band that helps to lead and coordinate through gifts and skills the worship team into praise and the singing and the declaration of the beauty of our God. You see, if they're the worship team, then what are we doing during the week? Are we not worshiping? Are we not worshipful? Are we, are we not living worshipful lives? No, no, we the worship team. They help us express it in song. And this hasn't got a worship leader Justin is not the worship leader, or Kudzar is not the worship leader. They're the band leader. Gifted, talented, skilled, that helps us, the worship team, find God in song and praise. Very important to know that, friends. Very important. It's, a, it's like the same category that you don't go to Glenridge Church. You are the church that meets at the station. That's Glenridge Church. Same, same kind of order of magnitude of things in our minds that us, we're so kind of ingrained in that way of thinking that we easily and subconsciously we start stepping away from what true worship is and we stop. God is looking for authentic worshipers that are worship Him in spirit and truth. So amazing thing, God's looking, not looking for perfect songs. He's looking for authentic worshipers. Authentic worshipers. 
And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to be people that model authentic worship of the living God, of the creator God, in our discipleship of Jesus and in our, in our walk with Jesus. So it's very important, these ideas that we have. Oh, and I didn't start my thing. So this morning I want to leave us with two, two pictures. And I've actually I spent some time a couple of years ago with, with some of the worship leaders or something, and I, was, I actually spoke about these two pictures. And I, when I worship, these are the two kind of images that I have in my head. And I really trust, one of, one of them is quite a theological piece. It's got to do with the Trinity and Trinitarian theology. And the perichoresis, which is the, which is the th- Trinitarian word, where it's the dance of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as they are, they are one and separate and together and in unity and um, kind of uh, preferring one another and praising, giving authority to one another, and they're in this dance, beautiful dance. And the other one is a, is a fresco painting by Michelangelo. And I, and I really pray that uh, along with the four weeks that have come along, that these kind of pictures will help bring us into something where we can understand, friends, what we have as authentic worshipers of Jesus. So what I want to read is Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. This is what it says. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven. This is Jesus, the high priest who sat down at the throne of majesty, of the majesty. So you have the picture of the son who is a human being. Remember Jesus, you don't know what God looks like because he hasn't got form. The Bible says you mustn't try and imagine what God looks like. But we can imagine what Jesus looks like because he's a human being. He's a man. When we come to when the new heavens are new earth and, and Jesus returns, we're going to see a man that probably looks a whole lot different to what we imagine him to look. But we're going to see a man. And it says this man, this high priest, sits at the majesty of heaven and who serves in the sanctuary the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by man. That word serves is the word, the pronoun, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but it's leitergos, leitergos. It's the word that we get our word liturgy from. So it says this, this, this high priest, this Jesus serves, leitergos, that's that word. In the ESV it says he ministers, and I absolutely love what Eugene Peterson says in his version. He says he conducts worship in heaven. And so we have this high priest, Jesus, at the right hand of the majesty of heaven, conducting, serving, and ministering worship. Not, and he makes it very clear that he says, not one that is made by man, but set up by God. Amazing, eh? So we have this earthly worship, this moment to our living and our lives and our singing, but actually in heaven, there's heavenly worship of which Jesus is conducting it to, and honoring the Father in the process. He goes on to say in that text, in verse 3, Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. 
So it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. So Jesus is not there as a high priest, as a freebie. He, like the priests on heaven, also have to offer. The priests on heaven, um, on earth, sorry, have to, the high priests were given the law. You had to bring goats and you had to bring sheep and you had to bring all these sacrifices that would be a substitute so that the grace of God would continue to remain with you. Actually, what happened in heaven with Jesus, though, he offered his own life. So his, off, his offering, his worship is perfect. Unblemished, the perfect lamb. So the worship that Jesus offers and conducts with the Father is absolutely perfect and without flaw. Amazing, eh? He's our high priest. High priest on earth, lots of faults, very faulty. High priest in heaven, faultless, flawless, perfect Perfect worship service. Perfect. Try and get the picture in your mind. Verse 4. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already men who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. Verse 5. They serve in a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. So it's this beautiful picture of us on earth coming to worship and living lives of sacrifice and worship but we, and, 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 and then the, the worship, the sacrificial uh, offering and rituals of the Old Testament were set up as a copy, as a shadow of actually what's happened, what God has set up in heaven, where Jesus, the perfect mediator, the perfect conductor of the worship services is at. Okay. So this is where we're at. So, who's the worship leader? When we sing songs, Who's your worship leader on Monday and who's your worship leader on Tuesday? This text says Jesus is the worship leader. So Justin is not the worship leader. He's the band leader. Kudzah is not the worship leader. She's the band leader. What we have in all our expressions of worship around the world, no matter what language you sing in, no matter what style you play, we have the, the perfect worship leader conducting worship and those that are in Christ actually offer perfect worship to Jesus, to the Father, yeah. through Jesus. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? Faulty note, out of key heart, sinful actions in Christ become perfect worship. We, friends, you know, to be in Christ, we don't often talk about being in Christ and the outworking of that being in his high priesthood. We understand in Christ, he died for us. In Christ, he was raised to life for us. In Christ, he ascended to the heaven and poured out the Spirit. But in Christ, friends, he is our high priest. And when it says he's interceding for us, when it says he's worshiping and he takes our worship and he takes our prayer and he presents it to the Father in perfection, in flawlessness. I love that image, friends. Whether you came to, to church this morning, came, you see, came to church, that's not the right thing. Came to our gathering. See, even I've got this flippant thing. Came to the gathering of the church here at Glenridge at the building. 
and you argued with your wife or your husband and had to lean across the car and give your kids a swat and you irritated and your heart is a bit ah. put your eyes on Jesus put your eyes on Jesus and now the worship and the reverence of his glory and his lordship begin to take your worship and present it to the Father I love that image I love that image I love the high priestly Jesus can take my imperfection can take my weakness can take my frailty can take my faulty motives can take my poor thinking at times and bring that together before the Father that the Father receives my worship and sees my prayer in perfection. Ah, oh, friends. If we could get this, we'd understand the power of prayer for the church. We'd understand the, the power of a moment of gathering to praise and adore and to sing of His glory together in unity and unison. With all, with all these different people in the building, it's an absolutely profound picture to have in our hearts. You see, friends, Jesus is our liturgy. Have you ever thought of this? So many different denominations, so many different ways of worshiping, so many different styles of worshiping. I don't know if you noticed this morning, we had a bit of a gospel genre. We needed a, a big um, choir. Is he good? He's good. You know that one? Like you just, this, we needed this. And I was saying at the early service, the first service, it's like so many of the songs that come out of kind of the, the America and other ways, it's like you have to sit down and relax to them. You kind of listen to them. But a gospel kind of genre actually draws you out of that and actually gets you participating in it, not just singing songs. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Love it. Not just hallelujah. Hallelujah! And we participate and we get into it. It's like a, it's a drawing us into worship. Jesus is our liturgy. So what will happen is God, Jesus can take his church in all its different groupings and all its different languages. And because Jesus is the liturgy, they all find their way to the Father. There's no one thing that's more holy than others. There's no one way that is more profound because if it lands in Jesus, it comes to the liturgy himself and it comes through him and to him and perfection to the Father and the Father hears his church. It's absolutely a beautiful picture. Friends, the priesthood of Jesus becomes the power around which we understand worship. The priesthood of Jesus becomes the power around which we understand worship and the singing of songs, and the life that we live. If it wasn't for the priesthood of Jesus, we'd be striving and performing. But we don't. We acknowledge Him, and receive what He's given to us, and He releases perfect love and perfect worship to the Father on our behalf. Absolutely he, amazing. He leads us into the Holy of Holies. 
See, we're not worthy of the Holy of Holies, friends. But in Christ, we are. In Christ, He is. And so we come into the Holy of Holies. And we can experience intimacy with Him. You know what this means, friends? You don't need music to enter the presence of God. We have become so accustomed that we need the perfect song and the perfect words. Oh, that song just ministers to me. And there are those moments. I'm not denying that. But theologically, friends, we don't need music to enter the presence of God. We just need Jesus. And so when we sing songs about Jesus and we start to understand the life that we have in Jesus and through Jesus in the Father and begin to enter the dance of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and begin to participate in that, the power of God begins to rest on His people and it begins to transform our lives and transform the world around us because it's that life-transforming resurrection power that we need for our lives. And there's nothing that we can do well enough to about to deserve it other than we're in Christ and in his beautiful priesthood. I love that picture. Participation becomes the key, not performance. You don't have to have a beautiful voice to find perfect worship in the ears of the Father. You just have to put your faith in Jesus, the high priest. I want to paint these pictures. I want you to have this picture because actually, you know what? When you're in a bad place, when you're in a weak place, when you're in a frail place, you trust. And even when you're in a strong place, might I add, you always trust in the priesthood of Jesus. The fact that he's at the throne room conducting this incredible worship service. Whatever that's going to look like. Jesus provides everything that we need. Jesus provides everything that we need, friends. For us to live these worshipful lives. Remember, he's a man. The reason why he can do this for us is because he's a man. He's a human being, just like we are human beings. It's a beautiful picture to understand what worship is. And as we enter, and all the breadth and the depth and, the, and all the aspects that were brought through in these last four weeks, Greg's paradoxes and um, contradictions and, and um, Justin's diversity, and even today, just the beautiful diversity of actually a gospel genre kind of song, and, uh, and um, um, uh, Kathy's... A, a prophetic worship and actually how we're meant to flow together. You see, the reason why we can be prophetic, friends, is the, is the chief shepherd who's also the chief worship leader, the high priest, is conducting worship. And he knows, Glenridge Church, uh, you need these gifts this morning. Boom, 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 boom. There we go. Church down the road, you need these gifts. It's a beautiful picture when the church gathers of Jesus just orchestrating this. I kind of just... And it's not just in a Sunday morning singing songs, remember, it's all of our lives. Anyway, that's the one picture I've got for us. The second one comes from a portrait or a painting that is on the Sistine Chapel ceiling, 1512 Michelangelo. 
And uh, I was doing some studies, theological studies, and one of the things was around worship, and we had to do reading and writing and kind of thing around worship. One of the things, the reason why I wanted to preach on worship, I just want to say this, is because if we give you the impression that the band leaders are the ones that carry worship, we're giving you the wrong impression. You are worshipers. So a non-band member is preaching about worship. It's very important, this, friends, because otherwise we start to see singing songs as worship. And, it's, and, 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 and we want to put the full ambit of actually what this means for us in these days especially. So, so there was uh, writing about worship and da-da-da. And this, this is the, this is the um, picture. Listen, just don't look at his nakedness, please. I know you guys are lost. Inviting <laughs> a thing like that in church. Listen, yeah, it's on the Sistine Chapel ceiling, guys, since 1512. So it's been there a long time. And what it is, it's a, it's a Michelangelo painting, and it is God the Father reaching down. It's, it's called the creation of Adam, and it's God the Father reaching down to Adam to give him life. It's kind of trying to depict the Genesis story. And, um, and what, I've, what, I've, what I've come to realize is that worship is actually the space between those two fingers. So it's, it's Adam, he's quite buff, but it doesn't matter how buff he is, he can't reach God. God has to reach him. doesn't matter how clever we are, how intellectual we are, how together we are, you can't reach God. God has to reach you. There will always be a gap if you try to reach God. God is reaching you. And it's a beautiful picture of Adam in his full-on biceps, full-on thing. But you can see he's kind of a little bit listless. He's kind of lying back. So this is kind of a picture depicting Adam before he's received the life of God. This is Adam without life. This is Adam, the human, the, the body kind of thing, you know, kind of trying to depict these things. And you can see his hand, and if you can move to the... To the, to the other one there, shepherd. You can see his fingers very kind of down, like drooping, whereas God's fingers reaching. Have you ever thought of worship or a worshipful life where God is reaching for you like that? Reaching you, reaching you. In the midst of your weakness. In the midst of your inability. In the midst of your lack of life, God's reaching. And what closes the gap is Jesus, our high priest. So we never have a gap. The most frustrating thing about that picture is there's always a gap. And depending on which aspects you're looking at and kind of pulling out of it, you always, whenever I look at that, I'd love to see it in person. But I, whenever I look at that, I think it's just, it's right there. It's right there. Can't you just? But forever, since 1512, the gap has been there. When this painting was done. Friends, the good news of the gospel says there's no gap between us and God. The good news of the gospel says Jesus is your high priest. And as God tries to reach you and you try to reach him, actually he is the one that pulls us together in reconciliatory love and relationship. It's an absolutely beautiful picture. And so worship is that moment where in Christ we find the life of God coming to us because of his 
life on earth, his death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, his outpouring of the Spirit of God, and his high priestly function on earth, on the, in heaven. All of that is what we have. God is reaching for us. What I also like about that picture is it tells a story. Because I think all worship is meant to tell a story. If somebody coming into our singing together or walking into your life somewhere along the line, it's so amazing. We had a, Heather's, Heather had a, a birthday party this weekend and we had a friend from Cape Town come and stay with us. She doesn't go to church. She's unchurched. But it's so... Um, She's intrigued by the life and the friendships that we have. And she said to Heather this morning when, they, when she was getting ready to fly back to Cape Town, she said, I can't believe your friends. It's like they know me. It's like they, they, um, they're like deep people. Like they just, like, what is that? I said, tell you what it is, friends. It's Jesus. You see, when people walk into our lives, they've got, to, they've got to, our worshipful lives, they've got to experience the story we're living. And the story that we're living is this, the connection between the Father and us. And all of the implications of that, which are so vast and at multi-leveled and it's so deep and so profound. Theologians write, written about it for thousands of years and still can't comprehend the depths of the reality of that connection that Jesus has put us in. So it's got to tell the story, friends, how God, is, how God has bridged the gap in Christ and how there's love and there's hope and there's joy in Him. Somebody said this, show me how you worship and I'll show you what you believe. When somebody sees our lives, of our worshipful lives as authentic worshipers, when they walk into our meetings, whether it's the preaching, whether it's the singing of songs, have they got an understanding of who we believe in? Show me what you, how you worship and I'll show you what you believe. This is what it means to be authentic worshipers that Jesus, that God is looking for. The lyrics we sing and the lives we live are absolutely and fundamentally important, friends. It takes people on a journey, one way or the other. Worship, when I look at this picture, I realize it's part of the story we're telling. And so I'm not just an isolated person in the midst of the 20, 21 in, in May. I'm actually part of this incredible worshipful host in heaven and on earth from past to present and we are, we are together reliant on the, on the high priestly duty of Jesus. When I look at this story and I understand that we talk, tell a story, I remember, friends, that, it's, it's, that our lives as believers are past, present, and future all at the same time. We remember all that God has done and we remember all that He's given to us and we make real what He's done in the past today. And so when we worship, when we sing songs, when our lives are lived, we're actually thanking, we, we're drawing on the work of Jesus, we're drawing on the cross, we're drawing on the resurrection, we're drawing on the ascension, we're drawing on the outpouring of the Spirit and, we, and, we, and we're pulling that into the present all the time. And so when we sing songs in Christ, Remember, all of us that are in Christ get to do that. 
And together when our voices unite, there's something that gets released. There's an incense that gets released in heaven. It's a beautiful picture to have in your mind. But it's not just of the past. It's actually of the present. We realize in the present we don't strive. We just receive. We don't achieve. We just receive. In the present, we come to the Father through Jesus and we together enjoy that love that is between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And He enters and He calls us into His intimate family. And we get to participate with that in Him, in that place. And we get to participate in that with the body that is us, that is us our community. That's worship, friends, has this profound, not just of remembering and pulling the past now, but actually participating in the here and now of the glory and the, and the power of God. Remembering that that reaching finger of Jesus has touched you. There isn't a gap. We participate in that. We get excited about that. But not only do we think past, present, we also think future. We start to anticipate all that God has for us. We start to anticipate the, the hope and with hope and joy of the, of the coming of Jesus. Well, we won't have to describe these things with, with paintings and with expressions. You'll have the reality of His person amongst us. And so when we worship, we worship with the sense of hope and joy. You worship with a sense of expectation, with a sense of hunger. God, there's more. There's more coming. Lord, can we have more now? Please, Lord. This is the power of worship together as we pull our lives under Him in, high priestly, in His high priestly function before us. Isn't that incredible? You see, when, that, when, we, when we hold all those things today, that's why we... We histori historians, we futurists, and we presentists, or whatever that is. It's like we actualize all of that now and here. And the power of God, the power of Jesus, the power of God begins to transform our lives and begins to tr transform cities and people groups around us as the power of worship, as authentic worship, is expressed through the lives of His church. It is very powerful, friends. Friends, we are created to worship God. We created to worship Him. Created to worship Him. All that we do is meant to be worship, including our work. Everything that we created to give Him worth, we created to, to try and behold Him. Try to, to try and find him and then think, I can't do it, Lord. I can't build another Babel. I can't build a tower to reach you. But I don't have to because I've got a high priest that takes me there. Friends, when we start to see worship like this, our singing and our praise will reach levels and God will start to do something in our coming together that is absolutely profound. When you're not wrestling with, I don't deserve it, or I'm not qualified, or actually this sounds terrible, or I can't stand when they sing. doesn't matter who the band leader is, we've still got the same worship leader, Jesus. 
And when we begin to grow into this, what happens is our worship takes big problems and a small God and turns them to a big God and we have small problems. That's what happens when we begin to live those worshipful lives. And friends, we don't always get it right and we don't get it right a whole bunch of the time. But when we start to understand what we have in Christ, what it means to be in Christ, in His high priestly function, and to begin to enjoy that, it begins to change the way we do things. It brings holiness. You see, when you're in Christ, in the perfection and the love of the Father, and the holiness of the Father, and you begin to access something of that in Christ, it has to transform you to be more like Him, holy. And my, my prayer has been this over these four or five weeks is that we would find something in our worship together and our songs together and our praises together and our community life together and our outworking of our lives together and our workplaces and whatever that will actually pull something from heaven to earth and bring the power of God, the resurrection power of God to transform and save people around us, friends. That's my prayer, that it's deeper it's deeper and it's wider than we think. And it's more profoundly beautiful than we can ever imagine. I pray. What I've said this morning will be another block, another brick in that revelation. Father, I ask you for your power to be upon us, Lord. Father, I thank you that there's no gap. Jesus, you are the bridge. You're the conduit. You're the mediator of all life. I pray, Lord God, as we've dug into worship and what it means to be a worshiping community, I pray, Lord God, that your life-giving spirit would flow, Lord, in a profound way to every single one of us. I pray we'd enjoy that. I pray that we'd revel in it. I pray that we'd dance in it and we'd jump in it and we'd be extravagantly foolish even for that Lord to know what we have in you I pray Lord God that we would never ever fail to remember that it's not our achievement Lord it's your achievement that Father we wouldn't perform but rather we would participate in your love and in your dance of love. I thank you for that in your incredible, incredible name. Father, take us on the, continue to take us on the journey of what it means to be a worshiping community. Let this be a catalytic moment these last four or five weeks just to stir us and edge us and urge us forward, Lord. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Build your church, Lord. Build your church. Amen. Amen.